And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, an attorney and partner at the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are all Jesus-following attorneys that focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. You can find out more about us by going to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on our show or visit our website to view our entire podcast library of previous interviews. Are you in prison now? Maybe you're in a prison of your own making or of the state of Illinois. Have you been in prison? Do you know anybody in prison? Do you fear going to prison? Are you concerned about prisoners? Well, you're tuning in at the right time because today we're speaking to Louis Dooley, uh, who's the Illinois Regional Director of Set Free Ministry, an organization that serves inmates in prisons and jails in Missouri and Illinois by teaching them God's Word. And Lewis is an author. Uh, he wrote, Prison Saved My Life. I recommend it for everyone. A moving book about his struggles with the law and his incarceration. As a young man, he was sentenced to effective life imprisonment but he found a new life in Jesus. Lewis, welcome to our show. Thank you very much. It's a blessing to be with you. Lewis, uh, tell us about your life uh, before Jesus and how Jesus came into your life and how you got into prison. Uh, I think a lot of people would like to know your personal story. Yeah, well, it kind of all began, um, and I'll start in the future, but then go back to the past. It, it really started in February of 1994, when I was convicted of attempted murder and first-degree armed robbery and sentenced to life plus 100 years. <laughs> life plus 100 years. What a- <laughs> yeah, yeah, if life wasn't That's enough. A- <laughs> yeah, extra, extra 100 years. And so, you know, as, as I was convicted of that crime, um, sitting in that courtroom being found guilty, like, it seemed like time just stopped. And the high from marijuana and cocaine that I was on seemed to leave my system. And reality set in, and I was kind of paralyzed by life in 100 years. And so they took me downstairs, took my clothes, gave me an orange jumpsuit, put me in a dorm room in the county jail with a bunch of other guys. And I had been through that a bunch of other times before, at least the county jail experience, but never life in 100 years. And so as soon as I sat down on the first empty bunk I saw, another inmate approached me with a cardboard box with a bunch of snacks in it. And left. And so I thought he was trying to make a move on me. So I decided that I needed to make a move on him first. And so I decided I need to take his life later on this day. Wow. And so uh, here you are sentenced to life imprisonment. And you say, I might as well just kill somebody because they're, they're, they're bringing me candy and they, they may be uh, after my body or something. Yeah, where I'm from, you don't give somebody something for nothing. And so I figured I better get him. And so later that day came and I saw what cell he was in. And I waited till later that night when I thought everyone was asleep. And I made my way over there and rushed inside. 
um, to try to take this man's life. And when I got inside, I found him and two other guys having Bible study. So that kind of stopped me in my tracks because I wasn't expecting that. And 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 wow, they're having Bible study, and you came to murder one of them. Yeah, and so and I got in there. Three guys. Uh, maybe I better change tactics. Well, it, it it really I didn't think about changing tactics. I just I was startled by that. I had been watching this guy go in and out. So I don't know how those other two guys got in there. I, I, they definitely were two other guys that were like angels or something because I talked to them and interacted with them days later. But I just was startled, and it kind of just stopped me dead in my tracks. And so he continued reading the Bible and at one point stopped and asked me if I believed in God, and I told him no, um, that I believed in evolution, which was just something I picked up in public high school. And uh, he handed me a Bible track and looked at me as if to say, you can leave now. So I took this Bible track, kind of dejected, um, afraid, sad, angry, like all these negative emotions going through me as I walked back to my bunk. And then what happened? Well, I get to my bunk and I sit down and and I just started thinking, I wish I had a gun so I could blow my brains out. And so they say oftentimes when you have a near-death experience, your life will flash before your eyes. And so that's kind of what was happening to me. I was going back thinking about this young kid who was born in East St. Louis, Illinois, to a uh, African-American father and Italian mother and not fitting in this community of, of black people and being picked on and beat up all the time and trying to find solace in my house, which there was none because my father was into using drugs, selling drugs. He was a womanizer. He used to beat my mother. He would beat me. And so I was just kind of like, I'm this kid. Nobody likes me. What is going on with life? And so my mother told me I need to go to school, get good grades so I can make something of myself. And so I began doing that and became one of the smartest, if not the smartest kids in school. And uh, even represented my school in spelling bees. And and then I started thinking back to, like, I wanted to do something with my life. Like, I didn't want to be a criminal or be in prison. And it took me back to two things that I really wanted to be in life. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of the law firm of Malk and Baker. And today we're listening to the testimony of Louis Dooley, who has told us about his moment of being sentenced to jail for life plus a hundred years and has backtracked us to his growing up, which was tough but manageable, and a lot of us have tough lives. And so you're uh, uh, decided to be a good student and you were you were doing well in school. Then what happened? Well, I, I was doing well and I found a uh, profession. I wanted to be Michael Jackson and I wanted to be a lawyer. You know, those were two things I wanted to be in. The Michael Jackson thing was kind of a, a joke, but being a lawyer was real because I used to watch Perry Mason all the time with my great-grandmother. So I was on my path to wanting to um, go to college, go to law school, and by my sophomore year, things changed when my father was murdered in a drug deal gone wrong. And so that kind of messed me up because we never had a relationship, and I desired to have one, but now the opportunity was gone. And so... I figured in some weird way as a 15-year-old that if I became like him, it would make me close to him. So I started selling marijuana, started smoking marijuana. By my senior year of high school, I was addicted to marijuana, so I couldn't sell it. And, yeah, uh, now I've read, you know, I've read your book, uh, Prison Saved My Life. You were making some good money. Yeah, well, by my senior year, I started selling crack cocaine, so I really started making a lot of money. And there went the idea of being a lawyer because I go to college and law school and going all this debt when I can make all this money now. 
And so you're, you're making money and you're in high school, you're graduating high school. Uh, then where were you? You're about 18 at this point? Yeah, so I graduated high school by the skin of my teeth, really. And uh, by 19, I was involved with a lot of uh, robberies of gun shops, drive-by shootings, um, fights, knife fights. I mean, pretty much all the stuff that a person would go through in an inner city um, setting, I was going through being in that type of drug uh, game that I was in. Now, did you have any sense of who God was or who Jesus was at no, this point? I was God as far as I was concerned. There wasn't no God doing nothing for me. I was doing it for myself. So why did I need to believe in something that I didn't even I didn't even believe in? I thought we came from apes and monkeys and stuff. So then uh, God put an obstacle in your in your path. Yeah, well, God or me just being the idiot I was, but however you look at it, I, you know, sitting in that jail cell with life in a hundred years, I didn't want to be there. I knew that. And I knew that I wanted life to be different. And so I opened up this Bible track and it talked about God and creation. It talked about sin. It said that everybody was sinners in Romans 3.23. And then it said in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. And that really struck me because it was like, wow, like everybody's a sinner and everybody's going to die. And I was like, man, that's kind of harsh. But the second part of Romans 6.23 says, but um, Jesus Christ came basically, you know, to to pay for our sins. And so... Um, they start talking about this man named Jesus that I never heard of before. Never heard of Jesus. Never went to church growing up. Any of that stuff. Wow! And and so you heard about the promises from Jesus. You didn't know who he was, and yet what happened on that night? Well, it talked about forgiveness and talked about second chances, and that's really appealed to me. That you know, a lot of times we make mistakes in life, and we wish we could go back in time and redo what we did or not do it at all. But that's not reality. But this said, I could have a second chance. That everything I had done um, would be forgiven, and I could have a new start. And I was like, wow, like I can have a new start. Like, man, I want that. And it talked about this man Jesus that he came to die to pay for my mistakes, my sins, to give me a new life. And so um, I decided to put my faith and trust in Jesus. So did you pray or did you talk to the your, the fellows in the next cell? Or Yeah, well, I was in a dorm room, and so I was just me by myself sitting like it was probably, I don't know, 2, 3 in the morning. It was quiet. I was sitting there. There was a light next to me outside the bars. just happened to be enough to where I could be reading because it was dark everywhere else. And yeah, there was a sinner's prayer on the back, and I prayed that, and I added my own first prayer, which was, God, I don't even know if you're real, for real, but if you are, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. But the minute you show me you're not real, I'm through messing with you. Amen. Okay, so this was a dramatic uh, conversion, but there was a lot more to go in your on your spiritual journey, because even though you're being forgiven and a new start, that doesn't mean you're not facing life imprisonment in 100 years. And from there, you went from the county jail to the prison. Well, coming up, we'll talk further with Louis Dooley regarding his book about finding Jesus in prison and how that changed his life and how being in prison enabled him to share the gospel. I'm John Mauck, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Sometimes, Jesus used the law to make a difference, and so must we. In his book, Jesus in the Courtroom, author and attorney John Mauck shows us how to engage our modern legal system for the good of the kingdom. Jesus in the Courtroom discusses the need for faith-filled lawyers in order to protect the church and what good can happen when we partner with Christian legal professionals. To order your copy of Jesus in the Courtroom, find it at Moody Publishers or go to JesusInTheCourtroom.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauck, partner of the law firm of Mauck and Baker, and we're talking to Louis Dooley, author of Prison Saved My Life. I recommend it for everyone. Uh, Louis, uh, before the break, uh, you brought us up with the history of your life uh, growing up and then uh, coming to Jesus after you were sentenced to life plus 100 years. You were in the county jail, but now you get transferred to the state prison where you have to face that hard time. Tell us about your walk with God now that you're a new believer and you're in the midst of a pretty pretty scary, strange place. Yeah, well, being a Christian in general is not easy. Um, and in prison, it's even more difficult, um, primarily because Christianity is kind of at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to religion. Um, as we all know, there are mostly minorities in institutions and the minorities usually are either in gangs or they're in Islam. And so if you're a minority in prison, you're not in either one of those groups, you're really, really looked down upon. If you're a Christian, that just makes it worse. And so it wasn't easy being a Christian. And, uh, you know, a couple, couple different things come to my mind about being a Christian. One was while I was there, I really felt God as I was growing in Christ and learning his word to be a, a mouthpiece or a spokesman for Jesus. But I was afraid because I didn't really know the Bible that well. And I remember an older brother in Christ, another prisoner telling me, you know, when a person asks a question that you don't know, just say you don't know, but that you'll go find the an answer and you'll get back with them. And that'll give you an opportunity for a second conversation. I thought, wow, that's great. So I remember one day I built up the courage and the Holy Spirit was like, I want you to go talk to people about Jesus. So I was like, all right, God. So I got my Bible study partner. I told him, I asked him if he'd be praying for me. He said, yes. I went out on the prison yard and I remember the very first person I saw was about a 6162 white guy with a swastika tattooed on his forehead. So like an Aryan Brotherhood guy. And I was like, oh, great. Like the first person, you know, why it had to be one of these people? Because just even speaking to a guy like that could be a fight or a stabbing. And so I, I got about five feet, you know, within his, his range. And he stopped and looked at me and I stopped and I mustered up the courage to say, do you believe in God? That was all I could think to say. And he just looked at me and he kept walking. And inside I was like, yes, like, you know, he didn't curse me out. He didn't pull a knife out and try to stick me. He didn't swing on me like all these negative things that would typically happen didn't happen. And and it just gave me the courage to continue that next hour and a half walking the yard, talking to different people about Jesus. And I don't have any like come to faith moments, but that morning wasn't really about me planting seeds. It was about the seed that God was planting in me to show me that, son, you're doing what I want you to do, and then I'll give you the words to speak, but I'll give you the confidence and the boldness to be able to speak. And how vast his love is for you and for each of those men there mm-hmm. Amen. in the darkness yep. to have mercy on you, to put you there Amen. as a light yep. to all those in darkness. Hey, God is good. 
Well, continue. Tell, yeah, us, so, tell us more of, of things that happened. Yeah, to another you. incident that happened, which is, is really different, but it shows God's protection and God's favor. Um, during my first couple years in prison, uh, I ended up getting two more life sentences, by the way, for another crime I committed. So I had three life sentences and 100 years. And so I just had prayed and said, God, help me be OK with being here the rest of my life. And he gave me the peace that passes all understanding because it didn't make sense how I could be at peace with being in prison forever. But I knew that eternity was a lot greater than life in 100 years. And so I'm doing my time and doing Bible studies, leading Bible studies, witnessing the people on the yard. I was pretty happy-go-lucky and things were going great until one day a, a guy that I became friends with who was a Muslim um, was talking to me in the day room. And he he just said, you know, you don't know, do you? And I was like, what do you mean? And he, he said, you don't know. And I was like, uh, no, I don't know. What are you talking about? And he started chuckling. And I'm like, come on, man, tell me, like, what's what's so funny? And he said, man, there's this other radical Islamic group that was in the prison. There were a handful of different Islamic groups that weren't connected together. Um, This other radical group, Um, he told me that they had a hit on my life, that they wanted to kill me because they didn't like how I walked around the prison and not kind of follow the prison rules like don't buy a commissary because people will take it or don't walk in this area because there's a blind spot and people can take advantage of you. And I was just like, man, I'm walking with the Lord wherever I go. And he told me that his group, um, which was the largest, they were Muslims. He said that they got wind of it. And he told they told that group that if they touched the hair on my head, they would kill all of them. And I just started crying and said, thank you, Jesus. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I, I had no idea this stuff was going on in the background, but God was showing his faithfulness by, you know, putting protection around me to um, use his very enemies to protect his own. And the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Amen. You know, a lot of our listeners are afraid to go on mission trips or afraid to talk about Jesus. But I, th I think this testimony encourages us that wherever we're at, mm -hmm. we could be with God, and God will be with us, and that's the safest place to be. Amen. Uh, we were talking to Louis Dooley, author of Prison Saved My Life. I'm John Malk, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. We've heard a wonderful testimony so far from from Lewis, uh, but I think our listeners are a little curious. Here you are talking about Jesus in the prison, sentenced to life for a hundred years, plus a hundred years, and now you're here in downtown Chicago speaking on the radio. Mm -hmm. Something happened. Yeah, well, you know, I was just doing time, kind of minding my own business, if you will. For, for how long? After 13 years, um, the parole board um, scheduled me for a hearing, and I thought it was just a, a mere formality. So I went to the hearing, and, uh, you know, a few weeks later, they told me they were going to let me go on parole in two and a half years. And so after 15 and a half years, they just let me go. Wow. Well, praise God. I think somebody must have recognized that you had a changed life. And as a result of that changed life, you wrote this book, uh, which I've read and recommend, Prison Saved My Life. I recommend it for everyone. That's that's mm. the subtitle. I'm also recommending it for everyone. <laughs> but, <laughs> but your subtitles, I recommend it for everyone. But particularly if you know somebody in prison, you are in prison, uh, you were in prison, um, or you care about prisoners— 
this is a really good book to help people connect to what it's like to be in prison, the fears, the uncertainties. And I, I think it's written in a very readable, um, engaging engaging style uh, in, of personal testimony. So h- how did you come to, do, to write the book? And tell us about where people can get it. Yeah, well, you know, for years um, after being released and having a chance to share my testimony in, you know, churches and high schools and different places, people would always say, you should write a book. And I'm like, I'm not an author. And so finally, after about five or six years of hearing that, I was like, you know what, maybe I should. And so um, I started typing out under the advice of my wife, all these different stories, like the two that I shared, which were just a little bit of them and only a couple of them, to write out these stories and then we'll go from there. So I got these stories typed out and then I remembered a friend of mine, a mentor, his daughter used to come into prison and teach a creative writing class. So I contacted her and asked her if she would help me. And so she um, lovingly and generously agreed to help me with the book. And so my notes and stories coupled with her uh, amazing writing style um, made the book come to life. And we agreed before we wrote the book on why we were writing. And the primary reason was to get it into the hands of people who are incarcerated so that they either, A, if they're a Christian, this would further encourage and grow their faith in Christ. And B, if they're not a Christian, Maybe they'll read this stuff and say, wow, like if this is real, then maybe there's something to this Jesus guy. And so our goal is to get them into the hands of prisoners. And so um, there are several ways a person can get their hands on a copy. One is if you're in the Chicagoland area, um, our way of getting them in, because we just don't get them free from the publisher. We have to purchase them as we sell them, buy one, give one, B-O-G-O. So and, and, I, and who's who's we? Is this Set Free Ministries? My wife and I. No, oh, this okay. is something that's totally, I mean, this is okay. Lewis Dooley, you know, so okay. Set Free Ministries, the organization I work with. And but how, this book, how, how would they contact you? Do you have yeah, a so, website? Yep, lewisdooley.com, L-O-U-I-S-D-O-O-L-E-Y.com. So you can go on there. You can read about the book, about my life. There's a place you can contact me directly and, you know, if you purchase a book from me, then that gives enough money left over for me to buy a book and then give it to a person in prison and jail. And you can buy more than one. You can buy more <laughs> than one. Or if you're a person outside of Chicagoland area, you can go to EmmausInternational.com. And that's E-M-M-A-U-S-I-N-T-E-R-N-A-T-I-O-N-A-L.com. And so you can find that book there as well. And you were mentioning that uh, some prisoners have read this and reported back to you. What have you heard? Yeah, so um, uh, quite a few people have said that it's encouraged their faith and strengthened them to believe that when they get out, they can make it. So it's the they relate to a lot of the stories and stuff that I went through in the book. They can identify with that because they're going through it currently. But then they say, hey, you know, I know I can get out and make it if I stick with Jesus because you did. Amen. And and uh, another reason I like this, I, I, I think it, because it's written from the prisoner's point of view and uh, the criminal point of view, because you were a criminal, mm-hmm. um, and then J- Jesus made you a new man. Amen. Uh, but it's not it's not the preacher coming at you with the good words that the preacher has, but the, a lot of times people like to identify uh, with someone who's been there, and mm-hmm. it's easier to do it. Lewis, thank you so much for coming to be with us today and uh, t- telling us about a Prison Saved My Life. I recommend it for everyone. If you have a legal need 
or questions about the perspective of a local Christian attorney, you can contact us at Malkin Bakery. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com. That's our website. Or you can reach us at 312-726-1243. We are Christian attorneys based in Chicago. We serve churches, businesses, ministries, across the nation, particularly zoning and land use, uh, religious freedom issues. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.